Welcome to another edition of the Grizz Den Pod. It is all-star break, but we are not taking a break here at the Grizz Den Pod. I've got Brantley Davidson in the house. Let's go. I've got Ty Smith. Don't poke the bear. Don't poke the bear, baby. Uh, Brantley, <laughs> you were not here last week because you had Y'all wouldn't let me record when I was having a daughter. <laughs> Y'all didn't even give me a call. It was like Thursday night. I was like, hey, my wife said that I could record, you know, from the hospital room at That's Methodist. True. And no, I'm kidding. We knew uh, it was for the best. I appreciate you guys uh, being accountable, uh, you know, or holding me accountable. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, I mean, how's paternity leave treating you? <laughs> you know, it's great. Little Waverly is doing awesome. Had some play dates mixed in there yeah. where uh, Grizz Cub Hatcher came over to the yeah. house. Uh, oh, that's that's great. It's been pretty. It's been pretty awesome. You know, mom and daughter are doing great. Appreciate all the all the positive vibes everyone's sent my way. It's fun. Well, we're really glad to have you back. Um, it's a big week. It's been a big week in Grizz Nation. Um, we're gonna get to a lot of stuff in this episode. Uh, we're gonna talk about uh, the upcoming second half of the schedule. We're gonna talk about the All Star break a little bit. We've got some fun stuff there. Um, Follow us on Twitter at Grizzden, uh, Instagram at Grizz underscore Den. We also have a really, really, really big, fun announcement coming at the end of the podcast. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, so we're going to kick off this podcast um, by actually talking about uh, trade reactions. We released a pod last week, and it was Ty and I basically giving our immediate reactions to the trade. Homer hat was firmly, firmly on. It was. As long as you're aware. Yeah, it was. However, uh, you know, we we are going to, we're just going to hash out uh, our feelings after about a week uh, letting the trade sink in. And uh, Ty, we're just going to throw it over to you. Yeah. Start um, us off. Okay, so after... Re-listening to the last the pod we did last week. Wait, you re-listened to yourself talk? I did just for constructive criticism. That's the only reason. He's his own worst critic. Yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of made it seem like Winslow's injury history wasn't a big deal. I kind of talked myself into like sixty-five games a season is like really great and stuff like that, and it's not. Uh, I realized that, and I yeah, I put faults on myself for that. But I don't know though. It's not. I'm going to let you finish your thought, yeah, yeah. and then I'll So my in, thought is ahead. just the Homer hat was on. I was really excited. If you were to tell me who could we get back in a trade that I would never have guessed we would get a player like Justice Winslow. I just well, I didn't. I didn't think we could get a player back that good, that young, um, and fits with our team really well. So I didn't expect that. So when that happened, I was like, I cloud nine. There are zero faults in anything that we did. So I was kind of riding high. Um, but looking back, he has been injured a, a pretty good bit. Most of his career, um, he's been hurt. But with that said, I'm very optimistic. How can I put this? Optimistic, I guess, is the right way to say it. But with our training staff, the things that has come out, he had an interview after maybe his first or second. I'm not, I don't think he practiced, but he was with the team. And he said, we will see him this year, which is encouraging too. Um, 
But yeah, I had to I had to throw that out there that I was basically like, it's not a big deal that he's missed half of his games. It is. It is it is decently worrisome, but again, opti- optimistic for sure. I appreciate you holding yourself accountable. Yeah, I had to do. I had to say it. I had to say it. Brantley, what were your thoughts? You weren't here on the last pod, so we'd love to hear what you think. Yeah, um one of the things that I did actually was I went back and re-listened to the very first pod that we did where we threw out some of the trade scenarios that I think that we sort of saw as potentials kind of in that high likely, uh, likely to happen, not likely to happen um, scenario. The Heat was that was actually the franchise that we talked about second. <clears throat> and I think it was one of those to where we were sort of like, this seems probable just based on the contracts. We nailed the James Johnson thing yep. talking about, and that that's not surprising because that was, I think, a lot of scenarios that a lot of folks on socials had thrown out there and, you know, seemed to make sense. But one of the interesting things was that on that pod, all of us were very dismissive. And that was, I mean, we're talking like Christmas time, right? In December when we recorded that podcast. December right? 15th, yeah. to be exact. So... We man, that's crazy. We've been recording podcasts since then. Man, that's really time guys. flies. Yeah, time flies. Two um, months almost. But we were all of us were exceptionally dismissive with the heat on whether we would get a young asset back for them. We were sort of like, yeah, there's no way they're going to give us Winslow um, or Harrow or any of those other young guys on their team. Duncan Robinson. We were just like, that's not going to happen. We probably just could get James Johnson. And whatever salary Casey fillers and a, and a really that's true. Long, who is a late like or maybe mid to late second round pick out of like a yes. very 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 raw yes. guy who's like terrible in the G League right now. That's Our expectations were very low. Very and low a, and a, yeah. like a like a three year from now first round pick was sort of like what we were thinking yes. maybe we could get from the Heat. Yep. So I was I wanted to like at least listen to that because I do think that's a good frame of reference for. At the time in December, what maybe collectively even Grizz Nation was sort of thinking about, we would get from Iggy. Yep. Like at the time, we would have been ex- we were sort of ecstatic and fine with the Dallas trade, which was getting Courtney Lee, <laughs> my favorite Grizz player ever, <laughs> and the Golden State second round pick for Iggy. Like that, like that flip was enough, and we weren't even really talking about Solo and Jay as trade options, and so. What sort of happened between December and February to help frame sort of my take on this is that we all got very excited about the prospect of making the playoffs this year. And so I think that one of the things, and you guys touched on it a little bit, is that when you see Jay and Solo get traded in that bucket, one of the things, at least in my mind, is why why get rid of those guys who are potentially helping you this year in kind of this intangible way um, and you don't really know what it's going to impact. And that's sort of that component plus the quote-unquote cost-benefit of what you lose out on next year. Um, And we talked about this in the first episode of, well, we're going to have this huge cap space where we can go out and sign this max free agent player potentially or at least try. And – so I think that's a good foundation just for us to think about what we got back in justice. I mean, he's a first round pick. He's a top 10 player, which is like the fact that we got that from the top from 10 Iggy, pick, yeah. top 10 pick, like the fact that we get, yeah, thank you. The fact that we got that from, um, that 
uh, asset, I think is incredible. It's a great chance. Yeah. My fan goggles is still sort of hurt on losing Jay and Solo personally because I do think they have kind of this intangible impact on the team. Now, fresh off the Portland win last night, which we'll talk about here in a second, maybe I was overplaying that. I'm not really sure. But I do think that there is something um, to be said to having those types of players on our team moving forward. Uh, however, I'm very excited about Justice. I think it's a well shot worth taking based on what we did and I do think that um, it's hard to talk about this now without uh, only seeing one game of what um, Gorgie has done for us. But still, he looked great last night. Yeah, he he's not like a Plus lame 12. he's not a lame duck minutes. salary player. Yeah. Like no, he's no, no. somebody that could help a team next year. Definitely. And so if if you're thinking of this, well, we took on all of this salary that's just we're stuck with next year. Right. I don't think that's the case. Nope. How many teams this year are looking for a center right now to help their title chances? And they don't have someone. And I think that he Very is someone that could help a team out. And um, we could maybe take on bad salary, uh, a contract that's not being used for that year, maybe get another asset for it, whatever it is. I think it, we, it's maybe a little bit more flexible than what it looked like immediately on paper. Yeah, that was a good point. So people talk about what we took back. And it seems like people forgot that we are still in the asset game right now. Like we are just trying to acquire assets, even if that is taking on bad money. And that's essentially what we did. I know we, me and Will talked about this last time. We basically took on bad money for a great asset. We're still in that. We're still in that mode of this rebuild. We're not yet going after these high-dollar free agents and making all the three first-rounders out to get some great player yet. Like our two best players are twenty. Like we have time to do that, and that's not right now. We're still in the mode of gaining assets and yeah if we have to take on bad money to do so then we're going to do it and that's essentially exactly what we did we took on bad money per se and got back a great asset and this was something you and i were talking about on the way to the game yesterday was that we limited the space that we have um we're we're still in a really good spot we actually still have flexibility to go out and maybe yeah, still, still do some stuff chris still harrington was talking about this right i mean is that That's something true. you want to touch on like we still have yeah. space well, we do have the mid-level gorgie's an expiring next year 17 so million expiring and we there's have your salary filler. all of our first round picks and two extras in the utah and golden state i know they're kind of out so utah's will probably convey not this summer but the next and then Golden State says 2024, which I know is is decently far down the road. Um, but the expiring Gorgie contract is a – I mean, that is definitely a trade chip. That is, yeah, something you can max or match salaries with in a form of a trade to get back an asset for sure. So two things. Uh, the first is um, regarding the uh, regarding the trade – Again, I just want to reiterate, I'm I'm sort of on the side of, you know, we gave a farewell to Jay and Solo, especially comparing them to Andre Iguodala last year as veterans who came in on a team. Um, obviously, they're in the part of their career where they are going to want to contend for championships, and they were happy to come in and help this rebuilding team. I wouldn't be surprised if they're really excited about the Grizzlies' success right now. Um, at the end of the day, though, you know, our playoff whatever the word we use, the phrase we used last week was icing on the cake. And I yeah. feel like that's still true. And so to me, if you're, 
if you, if there's one fault at all in all of this, and this is to me actually the 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 main debatable point is Dion Waiters. Mm-hmm. What the front office decided to do was to go ahead and cut bait with Dion Waiters. Uh, I take on, on a lot of salary, basically, and, and then the cut bait yeah. exactly. And so million, right? on Twitter and Probably a few other well. places and um, in conversation, yeah. basically what I uh, was was saying if I was in the front office shoot front office's shoes, what I would have done is actually done the Josh Jackson treatment with Dion Waiters. I might have even said this last week, um, but basically you send him down to the hustle. You basically test out whether or not he wants to rehabilitate himself. And then uh, the following year, because the season obviously is going to end in a few months, the following year he's an expiring contract that you can throw in any deal you want. Uh, he doesn't even have to be with the team as we saw last year, uh, this year with Andre Godala. Um, it was interesting, however, that they decided to cut him because, in a sense, they're they're giving up their uh, ability to trade him at all uh, in that scenario. And, um, however, I think that this front office has built up enough goodwill and trust with the with the fans that I, or at least with me, I trust whatever decision they're going to make right now until I see one that I just really disagree with. And and to this point, I have not seen a decision uh, that has led me to believe that we should distrust this front office in any way. And I understand the, the push, the intangible uh, nature of Jay and Solo and what they had on this locker room. The second thing I wanted to say, though, is... It's amazing how uh, Jordan Bell and Gorgie Jang, two of the, th- the the biggest thing they've both said is that this locker room is unbelievable. We're the yeah. the passion for winning and the um, just the attitude is different than the locker rooms that they've been in in the past. So encouraging, and that's really encouraging because this is a locker room. It's very short term. It's only been a week, but it's without Jay Crowder and Solomon Hill, and that gives me hope that. They had a part in building this, yeah. but it gives me hope that the guys that we have in that locker room are the core that we can trust to lead this franchise through, um, even when there's not necessarily those established veterans. And I also think that, Jang, we got a veteran back who For seems sure. like he's great. So I think so, too. So. I'm not as worried about it. I honestly have zero doubts that this was a great trade. Yeah. The only, again, the only debatable point is whether or not you keep Dion Waiters, and I will trust the front office with their decision. So the thing about Waiters is, so once you reach a certain number of years in the NBA, you can actually decline a trip to a G League team. Hmm. Um, so technically, if we said, hey, Dion, go play with the hustle, he could easily say no. So we did that with Chandler Parsons. We talked about this last week a little yeah. bit. When he was rehabbing his knee, we wanted him to go play with the hustle and just get some run, and he said, no, I'm not doing that. So he didn't do it. So just by the fact that Waiters could say no, and he's not showing the willingness to do whatever he can do to help this team, which he would is not going to do, I get it. It's really tough to just lose out on $12 million in something you can do with. You can't trade it. You can't do nothing with it. We've already cut him. He's done. We have that on the books next year. It's dead cap. Yeah, and I think here's maybe it's it, look at it this way: from like the cost of doing business, the front office is saying we're willing to pay. It's more than twelve. Twelve is what he's getting next year, right? So he's actually getting half of his salary from us this right. year. That's true. So let's just call it eighteen, just for fun, uh, to get justice. Basically, they paid yeah. Iggy half his salary this year, plus the eighteen that they're going to pay um, uh, Dion. 
uh, I just had that like Deion Sanders because I'm really Southern. <laughs> <laughs> and but and and to take Justice Winslow. So that says, hey, it's one thing. It's like that's how much they believe in Justice Winslow, totally. which is great. Take and your they have sh- take your shot, that, and yes. they've really doubled they down on it big, big time. Yep. I you know. To Will's point, we've built up a lot of trust in the front office. If this was the old front office, we'd be like, mm, this is, I don't know. I don't feel so good about Because they have this. no plan. Like when climbing, so y'all should all go listen. A lot of, we have, man, the Grizz media outlets here in Memphis is really good. With the athletic, uh, the people do great. We reference Harrington a lot. They do great. Peter came on the pod. He's great. Um, Daily do a really good with job. Harrington. Yes. Yeah. They do a great job. So Kleiman did an interview and he was very much confident in what he was saying. Um, he knew exactly what we were doing. He even addressed the whole thing about us losing our cat space this summer. He was, it's obviously he was well aware they had a plan in place and their plan in the next year, two years, max, probably, I don't know, maybe it's three was to acquire a guy that they think can grow with this team. Yeah. And the reason why I was making, and the reason why I was saying that component of it with, with like letting go of Dion is that it was like, we already got they're, what we they're, wanted. They've got what they wanted. Exactly. And there's also there's some sense of something and research that I'm I am willing to assume that they've done with the Heat front office, with other people in the NBA that are like, dude, you don't just don't worry about this guy. Yep. If he goes to the Lakers, if the Lakers decide to sign him and he puts up 15 on you in the first round Great. of the playoffs, that's fine. That's awesome. Whatever. They're in a completely different stage. But like, totally. who cares? Like, think long term on this. Yeah. Which is, and so I think that's maybe the mindset that's just like for for listeners and and what I'm trying to hold myself accountable to too, as well as as like I do want to protect this season because it has been really fun. It's been a top, you know, three um, uh, uh, from a fun perspective totally. season low expectations and exceeding them is always really fun in general in life i'm not, I'm not telling you to set your expectations <laughs> low but you know so because that's happened it, it it makes it great so i'll sort of am rambling and i'll close on that but i just i do think that there is a component of it's okay to trust like c- cutting him maybe no other front office really wants him and right. we know that on the front end and that's why we're like we're not even we're not going to take the with Iggy we sort of took the relational risk because we knew that so many people wanted him right and i believe climbing that they had multiple offers me too and they dealt with all of the pr gorilla that Iggy had on his side, which is a whole nother textbook rant we could go on. That was, it's frustrating. Oh, and I already went on that rant last all at week. the same time, <laughs> but it was very well orchestrated and awesome. We were willing to deal with that because we thought it could get us something like justice. Dion De- waiters. On the other hand, they're like, it's not going to get us that. So we're cutting bait and we'll just pay him and we're done. So yeah, just to summarize, I mean, yeah. Number one, we're not denying that, Justice Winslow's injury history is is a little bit concerning. Yeah, it's not. And <laughs> at the end of the day, I think that the three of us in this room trust this fran this uh, front office to do what's best for the franchise. For sure. And uh, I would still give the trade an A. Me too. So, um, okay, so let's talk through this last week. We had three games. Uh, the first one wasn't that exciting. For Grizz fans, uh, we uh, got beat pretty pretty handily yep. by the Philadelphia 76ers. We were in the game in the first quarter, and then the second and third quarter happened. And um, 
they're just a really good team. I've never seen yep. that that big of lineup. We hear it. We hear it from the uh, the national NBA people that we we read and listen to about the Sixers. And yes, they've had their concerns because they're chasing a title this year. Expectations so, are yeah. Expectations were sky there. high, and you could say that they might not have met them, but they were they were good enough to where they could handle. Uh, our team, yeah, uh, pretty pretty well. So they had lost, I believe, four in a row coming into our game. They had been on a little road trip, and they have a really bad record. I think nine and nineteen on the road. So you just kind of knew it was coming. Um, and we had come off a win um, after the trade deadline. We had just played Dallas, and we looked really good. Um, so you just, yeah, you could just kind of feel it. Um, I have a quick question, not Grizz related. Um, just don't think about it. Just go with your gut. If you're Philly and you have again, if you have to pick Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons. Okay, no so question. both of y'all pick Simmons, and you, yeah, y'all both knew that. So the question was going to be either Embiid or Simmons, and that was really fast. I couldn't agree more. I love Simmons. I love Ben Simmons. If he wants to come to Memphis, come on, man, we no, got gotcha. you. No, we have, we, we have Jaw, so we're okay with that. Actually. Quite a move. That's we don't. True. We don't want that to happen. Really worked out that well. I um, think I, what I remember from this game. Um, was just seeing Ben Simmons do a really great job being physical and jaw. And um, it made me sort of feel like like this is the difference between uh, what Simmons is a fourth-year player, yeah. I guess, versus a rookie. And Simmons is 6'7", and jaw is 6'2", 6'3". And, um, you know... I. Jaw is never going to be as physical and big as Ben Simmons is. Their games are very different. Uh, but it, it was just one of those things that I think I, I hope that when the offseason happens, Jaw can look at that type of matchup and realize he's going to come up against some big physical guards in the future and he needs to do some stuff you know, on his game and craft as well as um, hitting the weight room and doing different things because that's the only way that he's going to be able to to do some different thing. And, and and I mean we we live and die by jaw. We and he had a, he he just didn't have a great game that game. He couldn't get yep. involved for multiple reasons. So so I think two things on what you were just mentioning about off season stuff, which I know that's off season. Jaw's twenty. We got to keep remembering that the dude is a twenty year old rookie. He has so much more developing to come. Um, we were at the Portland game, Brantley. Me and That's you so were. fun um, that he's. Oh, it's nuts! Like you can't believe it. So one thing that I think after watching that game, if he was an outside threat, and I get that he's shooting a decent percentage from three, very low volume. He's not like launching threes all the time. But if you go under a screen and he is able to punish you for going under, our offense explodes. Absolutely. Explodes. I feel like we're fast forwarding to to Portland. Already, you're right. That's a we huge storyline in the Portland game. No, no, no. Keep going. So talk I'm about just it saying. in terms of Philadelphia. What did you? How did Ben Simmons guard Ja Morant on the pick and roll? <laughs> yeah, Ty. Remember back a what, week. What happened? Analysis. Yeah, this may be. Tough. No, no, no. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it because it is one of those high level headlines that like. That's what Portland was doing. I thought it was interesting that C.J. McCollum was going under every screen every and Ja time. didn't hit a three. But he didn't take. He Is took, that a trend? I don't know how many he <laughs> took because I haven't looked at the box score that much. But by being there, I think he took four. Um, he might have taken John five. John was over for 5 from 0 for 3. 5. Okay, gotcha. All of those threes were he went off a, a high screen with 
Jonas and he, the, the defender, whoever it was, usually McCollum, went under. There was no one in arm's reach of Ja. And he like was still hesitant to take the three. It's like, I kind of have to take this three because I'm so open and they're not respecting me. Okay, so with that said, I want to go back to the Houston game. What? Listen, <laughs> James Harden did the same thing. James okay, Harden fair, was fair, basically fair. feet in the paint. And Jaw hit two on him. And this is the Houston game that chest. was like social. We went nuts. Yes, we, we had an emergency nuts. pod. I would say that yes. was his break, the breakout performance. Maybe so. But He's so Jaw, well, so my point uh, is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, there's my, been so many. Sorry. So many. <laughs> that was one of the breakout performances. Yes. One, one of his of 45. Seven, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my point is Jaw <laughs> has it in him. Yeah. He has that ability to hit. And he doesn't have to be some like off the dribble pull up three point shooter like JJ Reddick. He just needs to be able to punish you if you go under and give him a wide open shot. Ben Simmons is, yeah, 6'7, six, 6'8, six, six, I don't know. He's super tall, super physical, and that's what he was doing with Jaw. And Jaw's a scrawny, 170 pound, soaking wet 20 year old. He's going to gain strength. But if he can develop that outside shot, I think it's going to be huge for opening up things for him. And I, my point is, reverting back to the Houston game, is I think he has that potential to develop that three. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's a great thing and for him to work on too. all offseason. Yep. I mean, that's definitely what he's going to be doing is shooting a million threes. He also didn't it, have an offseason this past summer because he wanted him to rest on the knee. Correct. Yep. And it just it feels already like – Every other part of his game is so, so developed, so developed and Even polished. Even defensively, he's gotten so much better. Like, yeah, he's not strong and big, but he can like stay in front of people. Right. You know. Side note: as an NBA player, I think the thing that I would want to work most on in the offseason is three point shooting. That just seems like the most fun. Or free throws. We watch free the throws. White side well, free throws, throws are, are another story. Good. Me and Brantley were both like, "How are you getting paid millions of dollars to?" Have that free throw. That was a Hassan okay. Whiteside so, shout out. Yes, so shout bad. out. Wrapping up Philly, um, I think uh, one one fair contextual note is that it's it was right after the trade deadline. It was the first game that Kyle's really started, um, at least started where Jay wasn't. You know, Jay Crowder was wasn't more injured. About Philly than us, though. I really do. Oh yeah, they came out. They were ready to go. We were shorthanded. It felt like one of those games that, even though we were within a point in the first quarter, we could feel what was going to oh, happen. Could feel it. And yeah. so by the second quarter, we knew what the result was. Okay, let's move on to something a little bit more fun: the Wizards game. Um, I will say this was one of the uh, ugliest wins we've had all season. Um, but at the end of the day, John Morant triple double. Willed got, a, yeah, willed our team. He got doused. In the locker room with water. Gosh, Shout out Jordan I wish Bell. We had a whole segment to talk about that locker room thing. It was just so that makes me feel great moving forward. The fact that Gorgie was like, I've never seen anything like that in my entire nine, ten year career in the NBA or however long he's been in the NBA. Um, Jordan Bell said it was like a college locker room, which I don't know if that's good or bad, but to me it's awesome. Yeah. Um, everyone's rooting for I each other. I love college. Did you love college? Yeah, college is great. <laughs> college is great. Um, but just as, yeah, Jaw truly took over the game. The last six minutes of the game, it was a Jaw show. He made every decision. He made every play. The ball was in his hands. And to set him apart from all other rookies in his stage, to be carrying this team, like he carried us that game. And that is truly special, I think, for a 20-year-old rookie to carry us like that. 
Yeah, unfortunately, uh, that game was not what we are now going to call a headband game for Ja. It's mm. not a big headband game. Headband 12. Headband 12. He may not wear a headband again, but just because he did it this one time and made a big deal about it, we're now just, for fun, going to call my yeah. big game analysis the headband analysis. I like that. So he ended with 27 points. He was plus 16. Uh, Will, could you describe what why, when we say plus minus um, for a player, why is that important? Yeah, so basically plus minus, it's not a perfect stat because uh, basically it depends on it, it. It's basically a measure of when you're on the court, uh, where does your team do they do they score? Do they are they scoring positively or negatively in the sense that um, if you're on the floor and uh, the team you're playing goes on the 10-0 run, you would have a minus ten, right? And if you're on the and vice versa, if you're on the court and you go on a 10-0 run, you'd have plus 10. And so throughout the game, uh, there are, I'm sure, many computers that are tracking plus minus uh, on the floor. Or so manual stats, as we talked to your uh, father-in-law. That's you true. Know? Or yeah, people, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know how that translates. <laughs> but they uh, basically plus minus is a really good indicator of are you contributing uh, in a positive way or a negative way, um, it's not perfect, as we mentioned, because it depends. If you're on the floor and you're amazing, like Bradley Beal uh, in this game, I wonder what his plus minus was, just for it fun. Was plus five. Plus five. Okay, we know that Bradley Beal is an amazing player. Best on the floor. Yeah, yeah. he was for only sure. plus five. They lost the game by you know, not by, by not by much, but. So it's not perfect, but at the end of the day, it's still a valuable stat to see who's contributing to winning. Yeah, we, we, we've we sort of like uh, like to do that as, as sort of like combination of players. What's the plus minus on the floor? Yeah, lineups, for Which, sure. How it's better in that perform. sense to judge. I do think it, like if you're, it's an advanced analytics stat and you can sort of use it as an indicator of what sort of happened in the flow of the game type stuff. And when you look at John, this game, which this is not a John Morant podcast. So I'm going to, I'm going to segue us into another player, another point guard um, to talk about here in a second. Tyus. Uh, yeah. Uh, but John Morant was um, plus 16 for the game. So if you look at it, he played 35 minutes coming off of that beat down against Philadelphia. I think um, the, 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 the thing that's fun about Taylor Jenkins and the way that he manages lineups, Ty, you and I were talking about this on the way home from Portland, exactly. is that when you, when he sees hot hands, um, he will stick with that player For sure. regardless of who it is. And so um, uh, Ja has not had many games where he's had around 35 minutes of gameplay. Um, this is one of those games where he did. He allowed him to get kind of um, to the triple-double level, literally getting that rebound, I think, the last couple seconds oh, of the yeah. game yeah. Um, where he where he got it. So he had 10 rebounds, 10 assists, 27 points. Um, another point guard that this game sort of served as um, really in the middle of a streak of games where he's had, I think, um, a sort of a turn of a corner of what maybe is being asked of him Good is point. Tyus Jones. Great point. I think if you're watching the Grizzlies regularly, there, something has sort of snapped over the back half of this first half of the season. So this, you know, this, the second quarter of the season, and he has gotten a whole lot more aggressive in his scoring, the way that he's leveraging game uh, play with Brandon Clark. So some of this could be the way that actually teams are compensating in the pick and roll with Brandon Clark and maybe hedging a little bit more towards BC's athleticism. Yep. Um, and it's opening up um, Tyus's floater game, which he's very efficient at. 
Um, but if you look at sort of um, what Tyus has done throughout the rest of the season, just at a just on a points basis, so this is not super um, uh, geeky, but he's had around like 15 games where he scored in double digits. Um, we this is the 54th game of the season, um, so at that at the halfway mark. Um, but the uh, Wizards game was the last in a streak of six that he scored in double digits. Mm. And so for someone who's coming in off the bench, if you've been a Grizzlies fan for a long time, we have not had a point guard who's really been able to do things like this. He's only score, He's only t- um, actually playing around 17 to 20 minutes um, per game. Uh, going back to the Knicks, he had 12 points, 12, 10, 13, 19, 13, 13. So you can – you can just see him consistently coming in, looking to score. Even though against Portland, he didn't have a double-digit um, game. He played; uh, he only played 15 minutes, but he was looking to score. He just wasn't very efficient um, in the paint like he normally is. And I think that is something that's very unique about this team, um, from at least in comparison to other Grizzlies teams. We yeah, haven't had for point sure like this. And it's it's one of those things where, if nothing else, you want your backup point guard to be efficient. Because he's not going to get the volume of minutes that your starter is. Tyus Jones in that Wizards game went five for eight from the field, shot sixty three percent, one for two from three, had three assists, thirteen points, and zero turnovers. That is a perfect backup point guard game. That's all you can ask. And probably two of those three assists were lobs to Brandon Clark. I love the connection that they have. Oh man! Um, so yeah, shouts to Tyus. He's been great for us. We it's worth it's worth paying. Uh, the mid-level for a great backup point guard. Um, Under contract for three more years. That's too. right. That's yeah. really great that they nailed that down. I want to say one thing. It's it's interesting because you go into Philly and you think this is a game we're probably not going to win. If we win, great. Bonus. We didn't win. Washington is the opposite. It's a right. game that if we want to actually make the playoffs, we have to win. And have that's what win. that's what I was thinking through the entire game watching it. That's why it was so frustrating to watch how we were playing and uh, to a, a team that we know we're superior to. Yep. And so that's why I think Jaw's shot at the very end of the game, bringing it home, his fourth quarter jaw was on full display, and it he delivered. And that was the biggest thing was we won a game that we were supposed to win. We went over 500 for the first time in the season. Uh, this was just a huge game, I felt like, for the, for the team that's, you know, could very easily, are young enough to use that as an excuse to lose a game like that every once in a while. So yeah. I thought it was huge. I agree. I think the youth, what you just mentioned at the end, is really important too because Solo and, and Jay had just left the locker room. Uh, Gorgie wasn't really implemented yet, Jordan Bell. Justice Winslow, I thought, was really fun, made the trip to D.C. Oh, yeah. That was cool. Instead of staying in Memphis. I thought that was really cool too. Um, this, Yeah, this team is super together. They are all in, and all they want to do is win. Gorgie mentioned that, too. Like, it's really interesting to see a young team like this that is truly just whatever it takes to win. That's what we're going to do. Um, yeah, the Washington game was very easy game to lose. I'll say that. Yeah, you Coming off of Philly, there. absolutely. Yeah. You're coming Sunday home afternoon. after that. Sunday yeah. afternoon, you got Portland, a big game coming up. And, like, you got a two-day rest. Very easy game to lose. And our 20-year-old rookie showed out 
and won the game for us. He and truly won the, the game. Quarter. Ten yeah. points in the fourth quarter. He sure. won the game. I thought it was interesting that uh, all I was seeing on ESPN a couple of days ago was Zion's thirty-one point game or something like that, where the where the Pelicans won, and uh, I didn't see much at all about Jaws triple double. But I kind of love it. Yeah. You know, it's Memphis. I mean, exactly. That's what it's always been. We won fifty-six games one year in the grit and grind era and no one mentioned us at all yeah i mean that's just that's just memphis that's but jaw has been a he's benefited he's been a huge story this oh, entire absolutely. year 100 percent. yeah and but they gotta push just, they gotta push out you know I'm but it's oh not, no 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 they, they, zion. Uh, zion sells that's the main point but it's here not zion Jaws sells like winning that is that has pushed him it's like the highlight passes and dunks it's not right. the fact that we're two games over 500 and we've already surpassed our vegas over under but his highlight stuff is what helps us win that's true, but it's also like a lot of little things too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We can appreciate Grizz every, every single assist. We gotta all buy goggles. <laughs> Joggles, baby. Joggles. Joggles. I love that. Uh, okay, we have we're over thirty five minutes in, and we have sufficiently buried the lead. Uh, Portland Trailblazers versus Memphis Grizzlies. This was the biggest game of the year. Oh. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Is that fair to say? I would say so. Yeah. First game against Portland, who is neck and neck with the Grizzlies. Well, we're four games ahead of them right now. Uh, Could but have been at easily two games ahead, though, if they would have won that game. True. So. Exactly. Okay, so uh, coming into this game, guys, you were there. Um, I was I was in an airport watching this on my phone. <laughs> Same How experience. How did it feel, Will? Same experience. Oh, it was great. Uh <laughs> I was on a plane coming to Memphis, so you know there were a lot of like-minded individuals. Uh, <laughs> we were we were uh, <laughs> all reveling in the victory. However, you were there. Give us give us the vibe from the forum. How was it? Just take us through the game, guys. Shout out to the dude that was sitting behind Ty that asked him to sit down because he was standing I stood up, up twice. and getting excited. Ty, I love that. Won that in like the second quarter too. Oh, it was really early on. I so love it. I stood up because it was actually Gorgie's or Gorgie's. Gorgie. Gorgie. We're gonna go Jane. double Sorry. hard G Gorgie with the a jump. Gorgie Jane. His uh, his corner practice. three, oh. first shot he took. Let's I go. stood up that was so before he released it because you could just feel it was going in. But no, you also had the stat. You were sharing it with me walking into the forum. That's true. What his stat? What his, against Portland was? It was like the uh, and from three pointers. Yeah, going in. So when he played for the Wolves, he was like. Like seven of eleven, or he's a Blazers killer. Is that what you're telling me? Against Portland this year, or something like that with the Wolves. I don't know. It was like we were just walking in, and he's like, "Yeah, dang!" Is like he's like seven for ten for (laughs) three. That is why we love you. I was like, "What? Why did you? How did you? So I stood up. up? I stood up before he released the three because you could just feel it. And as I was standing up, I felt a pat on my shoulder. And I turned around, and a guy with a foreign accent, I don't know where it's from, he was basically Not like, hey, in front of the podcast. Not from Memphis, <laughs> that's for sure, because he would have been yeah. standing as well if he was. And he was basically like, can you not stand up because we can't see? And I was just like, sure, man. So this is a great uh, answer to your initial question of what it was like in the forum. Uh, because It was crazy. I At think one point. when we went into the MLK game against the Pelicans that we all went to, I think we were sort of expecting – a little bit of a um, uh, throwback to the grit and grind playoff era type vibes um, of sort of the playoff type atmosphere. No growl towels necessarily, but just a buzz um, sort of 
seeing Memphis respond the way that we know that we can at a basketball um, game that has got a lot of hype to it, and it let us down. And Portland, I think Ty and I both were sort of like cautious walking in, thinking like this feels like it could be a really big game. It feels like it could be really crowded. We're, it's the last one before the all-star game. Like it just sort of seemed like it'd be big we walked in and you can just sort of see like with like five minutes before the game tips. So it's like, Oh, there's a lot of people here. Yeah. A lot of like, we parked a lot further back in the parking lot <laughs> that we like to park that we normally do at the same time. We normally get there it's little things, little things. And then it's like, I mean this, there's just this buzz and jaw created it really quickly with sort of his game. And you know, we're, we don't have to talk about Jang yet, but like that little corner three was this huge moment in the game. Yep. That Tana, like, I, he, do you have bruises on your ribs? Probably. I like to elbow people that sit next to me. Like, like when Jang got that, like, I think it was Ja that kicked it to him in the corner. It's just like, oh my gosh, this is guy's first shot. Please nail this. Please nail this. Yeah, he nailed it. Like, we're both like standing up and just like flexing. And then, bro, asked us to sit down. I was like, yeah. Cool, dude. Not, you asked not Ty ideal. to sit down, so I'm now gonna stand up the rest <laughs> of the time. He, uh, yeah, he's not prepared for playoff Memphis. No. So one thing I want to go back to that is it was I, okay. So the score man is like 18-11. So we had come out kind of sharing baskets. They went on a little run, and we just we were missing bunnies. Dylan was just missing shots at the rim. A lot of people were just missing easy shots that we should make. Out of the timeout, we draw up a corner three for who else? Jaron. And he drills it. We get a stop. We score another bucket. So on the bucket you're talking about, the key to this Portland game was Brandon Clark rolling to the rim. The dude, he was unstoppable rolling to the rim. I could have passed him the ball, and it would have been fine. It would end up with a bucket. Whoever was playing point. But your passes point, are pretty good, though. <laughs> whoever was playing point. Just throw it anywhere near the rim, and he's going to either catch it and dunk it or catch it and finish. And it didn't. It also helped that Melo was guarding him, which was just the all-time mismatch. Not good at defense right now. Yeah, Melo, a smooth one for 15 on the night. Brandon Clark, 27 points, six rebounds. Uh, just, he was He, was he right dominated there. the game. It was like, I so want to know how many points game, are off of dunks. Yeah, so watching the 27. game. 27. <laughs> yeah, for real. I love JV. Somehow. I think yeah, JV's I great. happened. I think JV played a big role in this game, rebounds, white side. But I remember when we were watching and JV came back in about five, six minutes left to go for BC. We were like, no, please don't do this. BC is killing them. Yeah. So on that Gorgie three. Gorgie. God. <laughs> Correct this every time. <laughs> yeah, please. Do. We're going to get it right. Yeah. He actually got it on the roll. So he set the pick, got it on the roll, and then kicked it to the corner. Gorgie hit Gorgie. the three. <laughs> it's Gorgie. like saying girl. It's so bad. Gorg. Gorgie hit the three. So, Brantley, one thing we were talking about is like the next step for Jaron and BC is learning how to make a play when you get the ball in the pick and roll. So, we were kind of referencing Draymond. Draymond is the most dangerous player in the world when he gets the ball off the pick and roll. If Why? He, what's, what's he do? Okay, because if he gets it in the paint, he's something good. A, a point is going to come from it. He's either going to take a layup, he's going to get a foul, he's going to kick it to the corner, he's going to kick it to the wing. He already knows the play that's going to happen. He's brilliant. He's a brilliant basketball player. If Jaron and BC can develop that secondary 
characteristic or asset or skill, as you may say, of playmaking off the roll, we, uh, man, I'm telling you, we are going to be such a dangerous team moving forward. Because if BC can finish everything, but if he can make that secondary pass or that secondary play, our offense is just going to be so opened up. I will say this. I think that the on top of the whole excitement stuff just being in the forum the the past maybe i don't know four four to five games it sort of seems like teams have started to make adjustments they are like okay memphis is not a team that we're just gonna walk in and win we need to figure out how to guard jaw jaron we knew was good but this kid is making ridiculous amount of threes people are guarding him differently um teams have made adjustments against us and so i now i think we're trying to figure out what that looks like for our team and we're trying to figure out maybe how to play differently offensively and that hasn't called up yet so which has forced us maybe into focus on defense and so the eye test over the past three games is that our defense has just picked up and maybe that's the case. Maybe there's been an emphasis on defense, but I really think that that could be a reaction to the way teams are playing us offensively. And our defense has just had to carry us a little bit more, like against Washington and against Portland, yeah. where you just see us clogging the lane. For instance, like one of the, the frustrating things at, at first was the way that we were guarding Dame, Damian Lillard, who, if you don't know, is dangerous behind any – um, any three point logo shot. and in yeah it, yeah any scariest t- player in the NBA maybe he, his I shot anytime stand. he shoots I think he's going in from the three Every regardless time. and so whether it was Brooks who got in foul trouble and just couldn't get a flow going or yep. Melton we were playing very aggressive on him which was opening up the backdoor cuts yep. and so uh, you know basketball one on one if you guard a guard aggressively. And you're you're really cutting off and defending the kind of wing roll pass or kind of like the catch and shoot three, then it opens up the backdoor cut. And what because of Dame's size, what that was doing was funneling his layups into JV, Jaron, or BC. And if you look at the box score, those guys were rewarded because they were all above their season average um, from a blocks perspective. And so the defensive strategy worked. Jaron had three. And we yeah. just seemed to really be um, kind of carrying the load there. So it was kind of a mud, another muddy game, if yeah. you will. Um, and so it just is fun to see like that game and all the environment that it entailed to win maybe a little bit differently than what we've done the, the the majority of the first half of the season. All right, so I'm going to give observations from the airport. Let's go. And then I'm going to let you guys chime in on our final thoughts, and then we'll take a break. Um, observations from the airport. Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson. Ugh, tough one. Dylan especially. He went started out three for three from behind the three-point line, and then I felt like he didn't make a shot after that. Uh, Jaron... Loved his defense. Great D. Uh, would love a little bit more on offense. He was one for six from the uh, just from the two from the four, and then one for four from three. Um, five for six from the free throw line. So that was good. But free throws, another thing. We were shooting fifty seven. We shot fifty seven percent from the line. I feel like that's been the kryptonite for this team. Um, Gorgie Jang unbelievable off the bench. I felt like he provided a spark. Uh, so much fun. You could tell it the was bench exciting. was just, all, just so excited. I don't him. think anybody's more excited that he's here than JV. 
he's going to get to rest oh, a little bit more. Uh, similarly, on that on the same uh, strain, JV versus Brandon Clark, the plus minuses were ugh, a little tough because mm-hmm. JV minus fourteen for the game, Brandon Clark plus twenty one. Yeah. Um, while JV did have his moments. I felt as though we were forcing it in. I made this point sure. on the Slack. I said, it, J, when JV is in without Ja, he becomes our primary scorer. And I feel like the offense flows through him. Ja opens everything up for everyone. And I think yeah, that was really apparent true. in this game. And so, uh, and Brandon Clark was just everywhere. I felt like Portland, I bet Terry Stotts is just ripping his team right now. If they are going to watch that film back and every time they lost Brandon Clark, they were following the guard. They would follow Ja down the baseline. Even JV, like I think he actually dumped it off to Kyle Anderson at one point. But even even our bigs were dumping it off right in front of the basket to whoever was cutting and rolling. Um, We had over 70 paint points in this game. Yeah, that Which was we insane. almost set the record. We had seventy six. The record seventy eight. Um, that's insane for the franchise. Yeah, yeah, for the franchise. And that's um, big Ron Air. I felt yeah. I felt like this was one of the most positive games for DeAnthony, do something Melton and Josh Jackson. Uh, Jackson yes. only had four points, but uh, it, it was a lot of intangibles that he brought. Uh, I felt like he wasn't scared overall. Last final thought observations from the airport. Uh, this was a game that everybody knew was big. The team knew it was big. Portland knew it was big. They even yeah. rested their guys the, the night before uh, when they were down only like 15. They took all their starters out with nine minutes left in the fourth quarter because they knew this game was big. And yet our guys delivered at home. And it was an unbelievable atmosphere. You could tell from watching on a phone. Yeah, uh, Dylan and JV pressed too hard. I really hope to see Dylan after the break, maybe settle down yep. and play among himself. If he does, he's going to go back to his averages. And I would be just pinching myself or hitting myself, whatever you want to say, if I didn't uh, award Hassan Whiteside the Chris Paul Little Bitch Award. My uh, let's go. Man. Watching Whiteside live. Former Grizz. I had mentioned to Brantley several times, like, how miserable would it be to root for this guy? Oh, he looks miserable all the, the time. Worst. He's a poor man's Dwight Howard. The oh, poorest man. of man's <laughs> Dwight Howard. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought this game was great. I thought we won in a different way, and I know we talked about this for the last, feels like, two or three podcasts where good teams learn how to win different ways, and we are showing that. We are, we are winning different ways and very impressive for this young Grizz next gen to do that. It was a fun week. Really fun. Uh, right. above average. Above average week. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with uh, some segments, and we'll close this baby out. This episode of the Grizz Den Pod is sponsored by Katie Davidson Homes with Coldwell Banker. Katie is known for her expertise in home aesthetics and getting Memphis homes sold quickly for top dollar, even after other agents have previously attempted and failed. Did you know that on average, Memphis home values have increased by close to 5% just in the previous year? If you're looking to take advantage of the current market trends by buying or selling, give Katie a call at 901-604-4926. She knows the market and loves working with clients through the buying and selling process to reach their real estate goals. One client had this to say about working with her. 
This is the second opportunity I had to use Katie's expertise and professionalism. I would recommend Katie to anyone wishing to buy or sell real estate. Right from the start, Katie guides you through the process, decision points, and final negotiations. Her talent for staging and updates helped sell my property in just two days. Two days, ladies and gentlemen. Again, give Katie Davidson with Coldwell Banker a call at 901-604-4926 for all of your Memphis real estate needs. All right, we're back. Let's hit some segments. Uh, first up, Grizz History. Uh, first of all, shout out to uh, to everybody who follows Grizzlies History. Uh, I've been running the account now for uh, almost, I, I think, 10 or 11 months and uh, just exceeded uh, 1,000 followers. Let's so go. shout out to everybody. Tony Allen responded to a tweet a couple days ago. What? Uh, that was about him. And uh, awesome. it, it was a lot of fun. So thanks for everybody for following everybody. Uh, so this Grizz History moment is actually All Star themed. We have the All Star break uh, coming up this weekend, and I want to give you a quick history of Grizzlies in the All Star events. Um, the most popular event from a, a Grizzlies history perspective was the Rising Stars. I'm going to run through all of our rising stars we've ever had. Uh, in our very first season, Bryant Big Country Reeves. first My role model. <laughs> first ri- rising star, 96-97, Rory Rogers Jr., also Sharif Abdurrahim, 97-98, Antonio Daniels, 99-2000 season, Michael Dickerson, 2001-2002, we had Pau Gasol and Shane Battier in the rising stars, uh, 2002-2003 season, Drew Gooden, Fast forward to 06-07, Rudy Gay, 07-08, we had Juan Carlos Navarro, and then Rudy Gay was uh, in the sophomore uh, category. 07-08, Mike Conley, 08-09, O.J. Mayo and Marcus Saul, 09 and 2010, O.J. Mayo and Marcus Saul as sophomores. Uh, fast forward all the way to 2017-18, Dylan Brooks. That's a big gap, bruh. Big gap. Um, we were doing a lot of winning in that gap. Got it. Um, <laughs> 18, you'll notice that most of these rising stars are in rebuilding phases. Uh, 1819, Jaron Jackson last year was in the game. And then of course this year, John Morant, Jaron Jackson, and Brandon Clark representing team USA in the rising stars challenge. It's changed a lot. Uh, it used to be just like rookies versus sophomores. Now BC's it's, team world representing. Canada. Is, oh, that's right. That's right. All good you Canadian listeners out there. Good call. He's, <laughs> uh, He's in the team world. We Thanks, We Ty. have a couple. That's great. Love that. Three-point contest. In 1997, Sam Mack represented the Grizzlies. Memorable. Uh, 1999, Mike Bibby. 2002, Wesley Person. And then 2007, Mike Miller. Um, unfortunately, no winners out of that group. Mm. Dunk contest. 2001, Stromile Swift. Mm. 2006, Hakeem Warwick, and 2008, Rudy Gay. A few high flyers. Three of the highest flyers in Grizzlies history for sure. Skills challenge. I thought this was interesting. The only participant ever from a, Grizz- from a Grizzlies team was Mike Conley last year. He shouldn't have done it. He shouldn't have done it. <laughs> it was tough. Um, yeah. It was, yeah. We were going, what was the uh, one time for 1-1? Wasn't that the hashtag yeah, last year we were trying to get him yeah, in? Yeah, I was just trying to get him to the All-Star weekend. He was had the 
whole thing about the best player to never be named an all-star and he just accepted the skills challenge and lost to Jason Tatum. That was tough. Jason Tatum, though, ended up winning, so, you know, he, he lost did. to the champ, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, okay, sure. all-star selections from the Grizzlies. First all-star selection ever, Pau Gasol, 2006. I remember watching this game. I was so excited that a Grizzly finally made it and he got blocked, like, twice, and that was his contribution to the game. <laughs> I think he played like three or four minutes. Shout out Pau Gasol. He was actually a sneaky, amazing player. Uh, 2010, Zach Randolph. 2012. His game really matched up well for the All-Star game. <laughs> yeah. Just Were they passing high-flying the excitement. Yeah. Six yeah. minutes, throw it to the hand. Yeah. And get out of the way. Points in the paint record. Uh, 2012, Mark Gasol. 2013, Zach Randolph. And then 2015, 2017, Mark Gasol. Three-time All-Star. How about that? That's great. Um, so that not, right there, plus NBA champion, is why, why he will be a Hall of Famer. Absolutely, and, and uh, yeah. All I'm saying is, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Brandon Clark are already three more exciting players than basically anyone I just named. I can name so four I can't more wait. Exactly. on our roster currently. Uh, Grizz next gen, great things are coming. Uh, but always appreciate your history, right? Good story. Um, okay, let's get to our snake draft. Uh, we're going to stay on the All-Star theme. There are six events on All-Star Weekend, six notable events, let's say. Um, we have the Celebrity Game, then the Rising Stars Game, the Skills Challenge, three-point contest, dunk contest, and then the All-Star Game. We're going we're gonna to bring back the snake draft. Uh, we did this, uh, I guess, th- probably a month and a Here's half ago. favorite. For our uh, least favorite Grizzlies ever, we're bringing it back for the All Star Game. I have a, lot a of very controversy in those like <laughs> least true. favorite Grizz players ever. All right, so I have gotten uh, packets of Memphis Pizza Cafe's Red Crushed Pepper. I've written not one an ad, one not, two, a free not ad. an ad, but you, you can sponsor us if yeah, you want. Come on on. I have written one, two, and three on them. This is a very big drawing right here because uh, a lot of people are are passionate about their All Star events. Which which ones they love, which ones they hate. We're gonna pick. In the snake draft format, our favorite all-star event. All right. Brantley, draw. Got it. Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, I'm three. What are y'all? I'm Number two. All right, Brantley goes I'm first. I'm going first. Then Ty, then me. And favorite then event? Round. Or favorite can it be event. this year? Both, I guess. You know, it is up to your interpretation. I'm doing my interpretation of this year. I'm going Rising Stars. It's the one that I'll pay attention the most. Wow. Because of Grizz Next Gen. Let's go. All right. Brantley takes Rising Stars. Ty, who, what you got? Good one. I'm going to go dunk contest, especially if we're sticking with this year. Um, it could be a rematch between Levine and Gordon, which could be dope. So I'm kind of probably won't watch it, to be honest, but that's my number two. Unreal, guys. You got the game. I'll take the All-Star game with the third yeah, pick. Fun. The Maybe actual game. All-Star yeah, weekend, what it's great. named after. Different format. And I'll take the three-point contest as well. Uh, I think that the three-point contest is, uh, you know, s- skills and three-point to me are the most uh, unbiased type of who's the best, and I kind of like that. Wait, I like seriously? having a very clear champion. Skills? I mean, it's who wins, right? Who wins the race? Dunk contest, I I kind of have a, a bone to pick with. I, I hate the subjectivity of the dunk. Anyway, uh, but it is exciting. So I'll take all-star game and three-point contest, and I feel good about those selections. Ty? Okay, I'm going to roll with the celeb game because at least there's some humor and comedy in it, and I, 
I remember when Bieber played, and that was pretty funny. Rosillo has some fun stories about how he like tried, and everyone was like, "Nah, man, just don't do that anymore." Uh, yeah, that's all I got. All right, so Brantley, that leaves you the the skills. The skills, cool. That's a great one to <laughs> fall mean, to six. I honestly thought Celeb would drop all the way. I'm not gonna lie, skills challenge. I sort of was like, it's like one dribble down and back, and then whoever hits the three wins. It's sort of lame. Oh, uh, yeah. It takes like ten seconds. You're right. I've. I've only watched the skills challenge once. I watched it last year when Mike Conley was there. And yeah. He got dominated. I was like, this is dumb. All right. So just to recap, <laughs> they Bradley, got it. They got it. Bradley had the right rising stars and skills. Ty had the dunk contest and celeb. And I had the all-star game and the three point contest. I think there's a clear winner here, but the rising stars this year, the you, you gotta, like, you're right. Look that's, at the roster. that's all that matters. You got potentially Luca and Trey in there. You've got some other young players. That'll be fun for our Grizz folks to be playing against. It'll be, uh, that'll be a fun game. I'm not trying to sell myself, but I am. So yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is open to interpretation. We might, we might throw this poll up on Twitter. We'll see. Uh, I'm pretty confident Ty's going to come in last. What do you think? Uh, whatever. Man. <laughs> Todd normally comes in last. The dunk contest is fun. A lot of people. Watch you're that. right. You're right. It would have been more fun if Ja was in it, right? Oh. All right. Um, so, a lot of talk. This is our. This is a segment right this before our hammer nail. This coffin. is actually important. This is real stuff. If you're kind of casually listening, like listen. Yeah. Like, turn up. Listen. Your to earbuds. This. Pay attention. Save this for. I don't know when you do your best listening. This is critical. Yeah. This is analysis. This is why you listen to this podcast is right now. We'll put uh, hours it. into this. I did. I put hours into this. If you're working, close your eyes and listen. If you're driving, don't close, close your eyes. Close your eyes and listen. Um, Let it happen. Dude, don't do that. That's, that's weird. <laughs> All right. Listen, We are going. I'm going to give you um, some schedule analysis for the rest of the season. Um, you might have heard, if you follow the uh, Grizzlies or the NBA intensely, you will have heard that the Grizzlies have the number one strength of schedule in the whole entire league for the rest of the way. That means they have the hardest schedule left of any team, um, which is why. Um, what I'm going to do in this segment is I'm going to read off what 538, which is a website, basically gives a lot of data analysis and gives a lot of projections. I'm going to read off what they have as their seeding in the playoffs I'm going to give you the odds of each team that, that is in the hunt to make the playoffs. And then I'm going to give you my reason why uh, we should trust a different set of data uh, to judge whether or not the Grizzlies have a chance to make the playoffs and what they have to do in order to make the playoffs. So I let me in. read this for you. Listening closely. Projected seed... Just so you know, seeds one through seven in the Western Conference, 538 has as 99% locks to make the playoffs. Number one, Lakers. Number two, Clippers. This is by seed. Number three, Nuggets. Number four, seed Rockets. Number five, Jazz. Number six, Mavericks. Number seven, Thunder. Eight, nine, ten. Pelicans, Blazers, Grizzlies. They have the Pelicans at 53% to make the playoffs. They have the Blazers at 32%. They have the Grizzlies at 12%. The records of those three teams. This is 538? This is 538. After last night. 
the records of those the final records of those three teams they have Pelicans and Blazers at 40 and 42. So they clearly think the Pelicans would win that uh, tiebreaker. And then the Grizzlies they have at 37 and 45. Pelicans 53%, Blazers 32%, Grizzlies 12% as I said. Strength of schedule left out of So those are the three teams we're going to yeah. be kind of observing right now. Thunder have a four-game lead on the Grizzlies. This and, the, is bef- and that analysis is probably all before we whipped that ass last night. Well, is this is actually as of this afternoon. Oh, wow. man. Sorry. I know. Got to be real. <laughs> Thunder are up four games on us. We're up four games on the Blazers. So that's the cushion right now. Um, strength of schedule from those three teams. Grizzlies first, as I mentioned. Blazers 25th. Pelicans 30th. Last in the league. Okay, so here, I took this this uh, data, and I said, okay, let's observe it. We can't see necessarily how 538 calculates everything, calculates their percentages. Let me dig into uh, to what they might have used, and I got somewhat of a different result, and I want to explain myself, and I want to hear your feedback. So what I did is I took the NBA, and I divided it up into five, t- five tiers, and I... I th- I threw in how many games the Grizzlies, Blazers, and Pelicans have left against each of those tiers. I like Okay? So, let's do the tiers real quick. And I'll read them out. Um, For the purpose of this, you might have an objection, but the analysis has already been done based on these tiers. But we can talk about that after. Tier 1. Bucks, Lakers, Celtics, Sixers, Raptors, and Clippers. Okay. Tier 2. Jazz, Nuggets, Rockets, Heat, Pacers, and Mavericks. There are six teams in each tier, by the way. Tier 3. Thunder, Blazers, Pelicans, Grizzlies, Spurs, and Nets. Tier 4. Suns, Magic, Wizards, Bulls, Kings, and Wolves. And then the last tier. Warriors, Hawks, Knicks, Pistons, Hornets, and Cavs. So basically, in order of tiers, number 1 you're probably not going to beat them. Number two, really good teams, but you have a chance. Three is where we are. We're in the middle. It could go either way. Yep. Four is they might sneak a win on you, but really you should get... It's like the Wizards. Right. Wizards are in this tier. Number five, there's no excuse. You have to beat these teams. Okay. So this is how strength of schedule sort of lines up. The Grizzlies have eight games left out of 28 eight against of tier 28. one. Okay. Six games against Tier 2. Eight games against Tier 3. That's already 22 out of 28 that are in the top three tiers. Three games for Tier 4, three games Tier 5. Blazers, on the other hand, only have four left against the Tier 1 teams. They have five left against Tier 2, four left against Tier 3, and then seven and six for Tier 4 and 5. Pelicans also only have four left against Tier 1, only 3 left against Tier 2, 7 left against Tier 3, 8 and 6 against Tier 4 yeah. and 5. That's why the Blazers and the Pelicans have such a low strength of schedule. So, I took the amount of games each of these teams have left, and here's how I calculated the number of wins they should have against each tier. Against Tier 5 teams... I said each of these teams should win all these games. So, 
For instance, the Grizzlies have three games against Tier 5. They should beat all three. The Blazers have six games against Tier 5. They should beat all six. Same for the Pelicans. So I gave everybody in this group of three wins against all. Consistent across both, yeah. Consistent. This is every single team I was consistent against how I, av- uh, how I got to how many wins they should have against the Tier. Tier 2. Sorry, tier against Tier 4, I said... Maybe they drop a couple against the games they have left. Okay. Tier against tier three, I just divided it in half. Since this is right in the middle, I said they should win each team should win half of these games. Tier four, I divided it into three. They should win a third of these games for tier for, sorry. For tier two, I divided it into uh, a third. They should win a third. For tier four, I just said like they'd be each team wins a quarter of the games they play. Okay? This is a lot of math. Thanks for keeping up, everybody. Basically, the current wins right now that each each of these three teams have, the Grizzlies have 28, the Blazers have 25, the Pelicans have 23. Given this calculation of how many wins they should have left to gain equal across the board, my projected wins for every team, Grizzlies, 40 wins, Blazers, 41 wins, Pelicans, 41 wins. Basically equal, given this math and logic. The Grizzlies have four games left against the Blazers and the Pelicans. The Blazers only have three games left against the Grizzlies and the Pelicans, and the Pelicans have also three games left. So the Grizzlies have the most to gain out of playing these two teams. Right now we are up 1-0 to zero on the Blazers. We're playing them a total of three times. Right now we're down 0-2 to two against the Pelicans. My case, the point of all of this is to say the games versus the Blazers and the Pelicans, given this math, the are here. the most important games of the season. It is the difference maker from making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. So I've circled two games in particular for the rest of the season that are the biggest games of the season. Number one, comes up the soonest, is March 21st at home against the Pelicans. If we don't win that game, we don't have a chance at, the, at tying them for the season series. We have to win that game. The second one is April the 5th in Portland against the Blazers. I think it's the fourth to last game of the season. Hmm. We can lose one more. We have both of our games left against Portland are there. We can lose one more and still win the season series. But we have to win that last one, no matter what. We also have the weird thing where we play the Pelicans twice in a row. We March do March twenty first on Saturday, home and home, and then we go and play them on Tuesday, March twenty fourth. They no do have they have one game in between, between, which is good for us. Yeah. All that to say, like like I said, the point is, if things shake out as they should, we have four games left against Blazers and Pelicans. If we can win those games, I really like our chances, despite what 538 says. Yep. So basically everything you just said, the one thing that stuck out to me is it's going to be really close. It's going to be so close. It seems like we have a decent lead. We have a four-game cushion against the Blazers, five games against New Orleans, I believe. Is that right? Four and five? Um, 
Uh, I know it's four against Portland. Yes. Yeah. Five against New Orleans. Yep. So that's a with 28 games left. That's a pretty good lead. Um, again, this is really early, but checking in. OKC and New Orleans are actually playing right now. It's 39-38 OKC's way. So this would help us, give us a half game. Everybody needs to cheer yeah. for the Thunder. <laughs> this is a half game here. Um, everything that you just said, the yeah, again, the main thing that pointed out to me is it's going to be really tight. And which makes it so much fun. It Every is. game matters. Like that's what made this Portland game this past week, yesterday, so much fun. It's because it really mattered, and the fan base knew it, the team knew it, the media knew it, everyone knew it. I think that's just going to be the most fascinating thing. Is every game moving forward is really going to matter down the stretch, and that's just going to make the rest of the season a third. Yeah, I mean, we're two-thirds of the way through. You could say the last third of the season. It's just, yeah, it's going to be fun. And it's sort of, <clears throat> when you look at it from a tier perspective, or I think that's a helpful way to, to, to frame it up, and I like that. And, 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 and two, whenever you think about it, um, the way that we'll come back from the break, it makes that Sacramento game, which is the first one after All-Star game, just big. very important because then very we play the, the two L.A. teams and then at Houston on a four-game road stretch. And y you you know the, the L.A. teams are going to be bringing it for us. We beat the Clippers last um, time we played them, so I would imagine there's some sort of revenge game there. They're still trying to figure out how to play with one another between Kawhi and Paul George. Um, same with um, the Rockets. Uh, and then we play Sacramento again and, L and the Lakers again. So, like, there's, like, a six- to seven-game stretch there where it's, like, you got to beat Sacramento. Got like, to. you just got to take care of business there. If you go two, two and four in that stretch, cool. That's meeting expectations. But then you've got Atlanta, Brooklyn, Dallas, Atlanta, Orlando, Portland. And that's a stretch where you really need to win some games. You need to turn it up. And it really, like, means, like, we've got to start maybe having some of these streaks. We had it early – earlier in the season uh just you know health is going to be a big thing to keep in mind and um i think we've maybe had big games sort of sprinkled in within our schedule instead of having these huge stretches right and you know i think one of the things that why well, i like will the way that you were setting this up is that it does help put the rest of the season in a good frame of reference just for fans to think through what we're going um uh into and and maybe a different mentality that these young players are going to have to sort of figure out how to play together in a different mindset and bring it in a different level. There's going to be a ton of games that these players are going to be excited to get up for. And that's why I kind of like having this, our backs against the wall, yeah, given the analysis, like, you know, I I'm hoping these players own, like who cares if we have this, the, the, bet, the, the hardest strength of schedule, like right. bring it on yeah. is kind of the mindset I'm hoping that this team just adopts. And then we, uh, man, uh, we got to pack the forum for that Pelicans game. Yep. It's the last one. It's the, there's one out of four games of those, that, that group that are, that's at home. And it's mm. that March 21st. So circle that one on your calendars. It's going to be a huge one. I think, yeah, we mentioned this, I think this is a really special time with the Grizz. I think we could look back three or four years from now and be like, really, truly see this is the beginning of something that Memphis has never seen. And that's saying a lot. We almost went to the – we were in the Western Conference Finals not too long ago. Um, and this is Memphis we're talking about. And this rebuild happened really fast. 
I think you need to get on it now. We need to be paying attention now because this is setting up something in the future and could be near future. I mean, you're, you don't know when we're going to be at our peak through this process. Yeah, we need to be paying attention. We need to be going to these games. We need to be doing our part because uh, something really special could be brewing, um, and we all need to jump on board. We all need to be part of it. Absolutely. All right, guys, let's finish this pot out with Hammer Nail Coffin. Uh, Ty, let's start with you, and then Brantley, we'll let you finish with the with the big fun announcement. So Oof. I think we, yeah, I think we just hit on it, honestly. My big thing is when we come back from the All-Star break, I think the All-Star break is great. It's People could argue whether it's, like, needed or so – Jenkins was asked last night in his post-game presser, like, hey, is this coming at, like, a kind of a bad time because y'all are, like, winning games? A, our offense has been miserable. We haven't been able to hit a shot in what feels like a really long time. So I think the break could be good. But either way, when we come back from the break, like we were saying earlier, we have four West Coast – I guess Houston's considered West Coast. Anyway, road trip. If we can split – or if we can just look competitive, mm-hmm. right? If we can beat Sacramento and then play really well against the Clips, the Lakers, and Houston, I think that's going to go a very long way in how the rest of our season follows out. So I'm really going to be paying attention to those first that first four-game road trip um, moving forward. Uh, a few players – I, I, we talked about Josh Jackson last time. I love what he's doing, and I obviously cannot wait until Justice Winslow gets thrown in the mix. I don't know when that's going to be. It may not be until middle of March. I have no idea. Um, and he may not even start when he comes in, but I just can't wait to see him get acclimated in this offense. And I, like you were mentioning earlier, I know this is long-winded, and I'll try to wrap up. I can't wait to see how we respond in like clutch, important games. We've done well so far. The Washington game, most recent, and the Portland game. Washington on the road, we pulled out a win. Uh, Portland, big game, we showed up. I can't wait to see how we move forward against big games, must-win games, important games, how we perform. Yeah, mine uh, has to do – we're going to talk next week, and we will still not have um, played – it'll be – We'll be just kicking off that last third of the season by the time we talk next, and so we we obviously won't have any games to talk through next time. So I'm hoping that the All-Star break is just a great time to rest and recuperate for our guys. Uh, When they do come back, uh, they have the Kings, Lakers, Clippers, Rockets, Kings, and Lakers. Uh, That six-game stretch is going to set the tone for the rest of the season. If we can escape that that six-game schedule with uh, three wins... Um, that would be huge for the momentum. And so, um, yeah, I'm just hoping that the guys enjoy the, the first two-thirds of the season this week. I hope that uh, Brandon, John, Jaron just uh, ignite the crowd uh, over All-Star Weekend. I hope Rising Stars is great. And uh, I hope they just uh, enjoy some time off. Um, yeah, so what you hinted at, Will, to, to kick off the pod, we've – uh, here at the Grizzden have been working behind the scenes um, to form a apparel partnership. Um, a friend of the podcast, uh, Will Frazier, has got an apparel company that he is launching um, and is going to be taking the city by storm. Uh, it already is taking the city by storm. You just don't know it yet. And uh, we've got some designs, um, obviously uh, Grizzden logo, but then some other things that we're sort of reacting to and and just sort of seeing the way that you as the fans are responding. So um, we won't reveal any of the, that apparel yet, 
but you'll be able to see uh, for the first time what we've been um, looking at together and having different graphic designers across the world uh, put together for you. So um, uh, the reveal party uh, in partnership and it will actually really is hosted by Crosstown Brewery as, re- as well is going to be doing this on February 22nd at the brewery from 12 to noon. Um, we'll be there throughout different parts of the time. If you want to just come check out the swag, buy some, that would be cool. If not, just look at it or just come and chat with us. Uh, if you're, if you've been a listener over the past couple episodes, we'd love to meet you and hang out, um, share a pint or two and or three. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm trying to be a responsible dad, Ty. We'll talk about that later. Uh, but, you know, uh, it could be fun. So come out, mark your calendars, February 22nd. It's going to be a great date. We're sort of secondary. It's really all about Crosstown and Will's apparel company. Um, but we'll have some swag there for you, too. Uh, and we'd love to meet you. Yeah, we can't wait for that. And we'll have, we'll have obviously, way more to come about all this uh, in, in future pods. But, guys, you're going to be able to wear the den. Wear the den, baby. And maybe so will your Grizz Cups. Woo! <laughs> Let's go. All right, guys. Uh, for Ty and Brantley, I'm Will. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Grizz Den Pod. Uh, we're excited for the All-Star break, but we're not taking any time off. We'll be back at you next week. Until then, stay cool. Check it, Let's begin. Party on, party people.